The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the third chapter. Jesus went home and the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him for people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Bezebel, and by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. And they called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is, it is good to hear all of your voices singing about the old, old story again. So thanks for your voices. Uh, and Bruce and um, Linnea, wherever she went, good to have you reading. Um, so you may have noticed when you came in that uh, the colors on the altar and the uh, pulpit and the stoles that we wear have changed. Uh, they're now green, uh, which means we have begun what is sometimes called the long green season of the church year, which takes up the entire basically second half of the church year. I talked about this a couple weekends ago when we celebrated Pentecost. Pentecost, you may remember, is the final Sunday in the first half of the church year, that first half of the church year, we retell the story, as we just sang, of Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. And I always think of the second half of the church year as a chance for us as Christians to step back, having heard that story once again, and reflect on, well, what does that mean for us? What are we going to do with our lives? How are we going to live? How are we going to respond to that story. And so we're in the very early days of this second half of the church year, um, and maybe it's appropriate, therefore, that one of our readings for today comes from the very beginning of the Bible, from the book of Genesis. This is from chapter 3, and uh, it's about Adam and Eve, and this particular story comes right after they have eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God made very clear they weren't supposed to eat from. <clears throat> okay? So... We're told here, this is chapter 3, verse 8, Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, 
and the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. And God calls to him and says, where are you? And Adam says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. To which God says, who told you you were naked? Did you happen to eat of that tree that we had the conversation about? You remember I told you not to eat from that. And Adam's response and then Eve's response are instructive here. Here's what Adam says in response to that question. Did you eat from that tree? Adam says, the man said, well, the woman whom you gave with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord says to the woman, well, what is this about? And the woman said, well, the serpent tricked me and I ate. Now, there is no doubt Adam and Eve know they messed up. But in response to the question, what's going on here? They don't acknowledge that immediately, right? Instead, what do they do? Well, it was her fault. It was the snake's fault. It wasn't my fault. Now, here's one of those times as a pastor where it's really hard to translate an ancient text like this because, of course, they lived a long time ago, and in 2021, we are so much more sophisticated. <laughs> Thank you, and smart, and mature, and we don't make mistakes anymore, right? Or if we do, we would never point the finger at someone else, right? Thank you for laughing. This is a reminder of why this book is filled with things, I, I'm not really a fan of the word, but that are still absolutely relevant because it tells us deep truths about who we are and about how messed up we are and how much we need God. I'm reminded of this kind of uh, dynamic when I lead a form of prayer called Lexio Divina. Some of you have done this with me or with other pastors. Uh, it's a very simple form of prayer in a group setting uh, based on a, usually a short reading and then some silence and three very simple questions at different moments in, in the sort of process of the prayer. Question one, what word did you hear? Question two, what image came to your mind? Question three, this is the way I do it at least, what, if anything, did you hear God saying to you, asking of you, inviting you to do or to stop doing? I have discovered over the years that if I'm not very careful, I may have talked about this before, but it bears repeating, if I'm not very careful and very intentional setting this up on the front end, then here's what happens when we get to that third question. And again, remember the question is, what if anything do you hear God saying to you? What do you hear God inviting you to do or to stop doing? And here are the kind of responses I get if I've not been careful about how I set it up. Well, I hear God saying to me that my neighbor should do a better job of mowing his lawn. <laughs> or I hear God saying to me that my brother-in-law is not very nice to me and needs to amend his ways. Or I hear God saying to me that my children need to be more respectful of me, right? There's that dynamic. If there's a problem, if there's an issue, if there's something wrong in the world, what's our instinct? It's someone else's fault. They screwed up. It's their problem. 
They need to fix it. Now, I do not have to say this, but I'm going to anyway. For all of its blessings, right, and it gives us many blessings, for all of its blessings, social media does not help us on this front. Can I get an amen to that? It does not seem in my experience to be a place where people come to admit, I may have messed up. I need forgiveness. What is it a place instead for? You're wrong. You're not helpful. Or you individual or you group, you're wrong. Or I I won't use worse language from up here, but you, you know what I'm saying? That is not the Christian perspective. And to the degree that this is a time of year, again, when we reflect on who are we? How are we in the world? What are we supposed to do with this story of Jesus? How are we supposed to respond to it? One of the answers to that, one of the answers, is as we look around the world that is filled with difficulty and challenge and pain and grief, a world that is and always has been messed up, our first response isn't to say, it's your fault. Our first response is to ask the question, hmm, have I been part of the problem? Have I done something wrong? Have I hurt someone? Have I offended something? Have I done something or have I failed to do something that maybe, maybe, in all humility, is part of the problem? I'm reminded here of a story about one of my favorite authors, G.K. Chesterton. Uh, Chesterton was a journalist and author and genius who lived in the first part of the 20th century. During his life, there was a a magazine or a newspaper that sent a note out to a handful of of people, of uh, sort of celebrities or famous people at the time. And the question that they wanted those people to ask is, what's wrong with the world today? That was the question. Chesterton's response was two words. Maybe some of you know it. Well, it was more than that because he addressed it and then he signed it. But his response in total was, dear sir, Again, the question is, what's wrong with the world today? Dear sir, I am, period. Yours, G.K. Chesterton. I think that's the right posture towards a world that's fallen and broken and messed up is to start with ourselves, which doesn't mean it's a negative or pessimistic or dark thing. I think acknowledging that is a freeing thing. It's a way of being honest. It's a way of coming here every week and saying, God, I tried again, and once again, I messed up, and I'm sorry, and I beg your forgiveness, which allows us to unburden ourselves of the shame of the past, of the ways we've messed up in the past, ways we know and don't know, and allows us to start with a fresh slate and say to God, I'll try to do better tomorrow. And if I don't, I'm going to come back next week and ask the same thing. We do that, we, we practice, we, we exercise the muscles of that through the confession and forgiveness. We do it every time we worship. We've already done it today, but to conclude my message today, I want to invite us to participate in a call and response confession and forgiveness. It's actually my favorite version of the confession and forgiveness, and you will find it. I'm going to invite those of you here uh, to find it in the front of your red hymnal or cranberry hymnal on page 321. This is not the hymn number. Um, but rather is the page number at the bottom, page 321 in a service called Night Prayer or Compline. Uh, I hope that those of you who are worshiping with us virtually will also see these words on your screen 
and thanks to our tech team, I apologize to our tech, speaking of apologies, I apologize to our tech team for getting them this uh, far later than I should have. Um, so this is the confession that's on the far right side of page 321. And one of the reasons I love it is it allows me to participate with you, for me to acknowledge, yeah, I'm one of you. I'm messed up, I'm broken. And again, the point of this isn't to be negative. The point of this is to free us from the burdens of past sins so that we can look to God's future with hope. Okay? So to do this, I'm going to invite you all to stand as I confess, and then you in God's name forgive me, and I do likewise. I confess to God Almighty before the whole company of heaven and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned by my own fault in thought, word, and deed. I pray God Almighty to have mercy on me, forgive me all my sins, and bring me to everlasting life. Almighty and merciful God, grant you Almighty and merciful God, grant you healing, pardon, and forgiveness of all your sins. Amen. <laughs>